With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. A big show today. Get you set for Wisconsin and number three Michigan tomorrow afternoon from the Cole Center in Madison, Wisconsin. I am Benjamin Warbill, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. Not only do we have Wisconsin basketball to talk about, we have Wisconsin football news to talk about. Badgers have a new assistant coach and some positional coaching changes. Wisconsin football has added a new in-state walk-on for 2021. We have a conversation coming up with 2022 offensive lineman Carson Hinson from St. Croix Central up near the Twin Cities. In-state recruit is a four-star prospect with 20 offers from Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State, Nebraska, Northwestern, Oregon, Stanford. So many schools have offered Mr. Hintzman, and we'll get the lowdown from him on his top list. He gives us a couple schools that will make his top list. His basketball season, his football season this past year, and how recruiting has changed for him as he's going through a, like all of us, a global pandemic. But we're going to start with Wisconsin basketball because that's kind of the number one show in town right now. I wrote last week entering the Nebraska game for BadgerBlitz.com about Wisconsin and their three-point shooting. We've seen a lot of things talked about with the defense with Wisconsin, how the Badgers have really been struggling defensively, have had trouble staying locked in for 40 minutes, have been very susceptible to giving up points in the paint. That's obviously been a big storyline, considering they've given up over 50% shooting and losses to Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois as of late. So a lot of points in the paint have been racked up against Wisconsin. That's an issue that the Badgers need to correct going forward over these final six games, which are a murderer's role in the Big Ten. However, the three-point shooting has been something that I think a lot of people have become concerned about because Wisconsin is built as a three-point shooting team, and they're not hitting three-point shots, which obviously is problematic. You know, a year ago, UW set a school record by averaging 8.7 three-pointers per game, and they finished second in the conference and shooting over 36% from three-point range. And you look at the first 12 games of this season, with the entire cast of characters back from a year ago, with the exception of Brevin Pritzel, Wisconsin was shooting 41.4% from three-point range, including the Illinois game, where they went 4-for-24 from three-point range, including 0-for-9 in the first half in a 75-60 loss. Wisconsin is shooting 30.4% from the perimeter over these last eight games 62 for 204 now that number has gotten worse because wisconsin in their wednesday game against nebraska went nine for 32 at 28.1 percent wisconsin shot 32.3 percent against the huskers they only had one player in double figures and that was johnny davis with 10 points their starting lineup Demetri trice three of 14 aleem ford three for 12 tyler wall one for eight Brad Davison, 3-for-7. He was probably the best shooter in the starting lineup. He went 3-for-6 from three-point range, and he's been really scuffling as of late. We'll hear from Brad Davison, too, in a little bit. Forgot to mention that at the top of the show. He's going to help us preview Wisconsin-Michigan and talk a little bit about the shooting woes. And Nate Reavers, 2-for-8. 
after my little side tangent there. That's 12 made baskets for the starting lineup on, if you were counting, 49 shots. Wisconsin doesn't beat anybody shooting like that, except if you're Nebraska, because Nebraska hasn't won a Big Ten game since January of 2020. Wisconsin won 61-48, despite allowing Nebraska to start the game 8-for-12, despite the Cornhuskers just having played two days earlier and being forced to take off on Tuesday because the NCAA mandates you take one day off a week. So Nebraska didn't even practice between their losses of Minnesota and Wisconsin, yet they started the game 8-for-12 and 4-for-4 from 3. Now the Badgers got better defensively, and the Cornhuskers, the final 30-some minutes of the game, went... 10 for 37 from the floor and one for 11 from three point range. So Wisconsin survived the last place team in the league, but really does anyone feel great about where the Badgers are going into this very, very challenging six game stretch which will see them play Michigan top three team in the country, Iowa top 15 at home. Then they go to Northwestern. Then you have Illinois, which just laced you in Champaign last weekend then you go to Purdue, and then you finish the year at Iowa. Five top 25 teams, four teams in the top 15, and then your road game at Northwestern is what finishes with Wisconsin. Badgers need to shoot the ball better. It's plain as day, and the Badgers acknowledge that. And the other thing is maybe a little bit more concerning is that these players will say that they're taking good shots. These are open shots with good fundamentals that Wisconsin is attempting, and they're just not making them. So what needs to change for the Badgers? This team is a good shooting team. We've seen it. We've seen these players be individually good shooters. But for whatever reason, this is just a system-wide scoring outage that Wisconsin is going through, and they have to rely on their defense. And when their defense doesn't play well, you have the results like we saw against Illinois, where Wisconsin dug themselves so deep of a hole in the first half, they couldn't shoot their way out of it. And when they started to play a little bit better in the second half, Illinois still outscored them by two points. Just an ugly performance at Illinois. And they were out-rebounded 46-19. Just a lot of issues that Wisconsin really hasn't done a great job correcting against a quality opponent. And that's what we're going to see on Sunday against the Wolverines. What Michigan team is going to show up, though, is going to be the interesting factor because Michigan hasn't played in 23 days since the Wolverines went on a COVID pause. Talking to Greg Gard on Wednesday, he fully expects the game to be played on Sunday. It sounds like Michigan is ready to play on Sunday as well. And Michigan will be bringing in a team that leads the conference in field goal percentage, field goal percentage defense. They're shooting over 50% and holding teams to under 38%. They're number one in free throw percentage, making nearly 77% of their free throws. They rank second in the league in scoring defense. 65.4 points per game. They're second in rebounding defense at 31.1 rebounds per game. And they're third in rebounding offense. This lineup is incredibly impressive. Hunter Dickinson leads the team in scoring, field goal percentage, and rebounding. He's shooting 68.8% from the field. That's, I think, fifth nationally. Isaiah Livers, second leading scorer on the team. He is averaging career best in rebounds and assists. Mike Smith, their point guard, has stepped in exceptionally well for Xavier Smith, Xavier Simpson, excuse me, and is averaging 5.6 assists per game. And Franz Wagner is top three in the team in scoring, rebounding, assists, steals, and blocks. That quartet of players scored 56 of Michigan's 77 points against Wisconsin, 
combined for 24 rebounds, 10 assists, 7 blocks, and 5 steals. They are a juggernaut-type group, but how rusty will they be? How sharp will they be? That's kind of the million-dollar question, as Brad Davison puts it, and you're going to hear that interview from him in just a second. Michigan is currently in first place. They have a two-game lead in the loss column over Illinois and three over Ohio State, but they got a lot of games to make up in about 22, 23 days until the Big Ten tournament. Can Wisconsin be better defensively against Michigan? Because that's really where this game was. This was a fairly close game early, and then Micah Potter went out of the lineup, and then Wisconsin got lackadaisical defensively, made some careless mistakes offensively, and before you know it, it was a 36-3 run that saw Wisconsin down by as many as 40 points. You hear a lot about confidence. Players talk about confidence, how one shot will lead to multiple other good looks and the confidence to shoot those tough shots. It also can work in the other way, too, where a lack of confidence from one player can snowball in the opposite direction, too. You look at kind of where Wisconsin was. This team was ranked fourth at one point in the country and has kind of been a steadily downward spiral ever since. Wisconsin's not necessarily playing bad. They haven't had a two-game losing streak all season, and they are 5-3 and three in their last eight games. But really, it's their lack of a solid win on their resume in conference play that I think has some people worried. You don't want to peak on February 13th. That's not the goal. You want to start peaking around the beginning of March for postseason play because, you know, face it, that's where teams are remembered. You don't necessarily remember all the years that Wisconsin won the Big Ten regular season championship or the Big Ten tournament. You remember 1941. You remember the Final Four run of 2000. And you remember what Wisconsin did not just, you know, six years ago in Indianapolis and then the year before in Arlington. It's one of those important benchmarks of postseason. You remember the good postseason teams. Wisconsin maybe could have been one of those teams to make a run last year because they were hot. They caught fire right around this time, and they ran it all the way to Bloomington where they want to share the Big Ten championship, and then we didn't get to see them in the postseason. Wisconsin doesn't really have that quality victory yet in Big Ten play. This is an opportunity for them to get that on Sunday against number three Michigan. It's a chance for them to get back on the right track to start building that confidence again in their offense and moving forward for the rest of the season. And it's also a chance, too, to start repairing some things defensively against a Michigan team that absolutely picked them apart in Ann Arbor. Here is our conversation on Friday with senior guard Brad Davison, who I thought had some really interesting things to share about the first matchup with Michigan, about the team shooting, and other ways this team needs to get better going into this very, very tough stretch run. Yeah, Brad, I, I, know, I, I know you guys always can only focus on one game at a time, but I'm sure you know that the last six games you play, it's a lot of good competition. How well does this team have to play well beginning Sunday to string together some W's? It's a fun stretch. Um, definitely a lot of games and the end of a schedule that we've had circled for a long time dating back to when the schedule came out. So we're looking forward to it. Um, we're going to have to play well. you got to play well, not even these last six, you got to play well against every team in this league to have a ch- to give yourself a chance to win. And you can play really well and still lose because of the caliber caliber of teams in our league. Um, so, you know, we're excited. We know we have to play well. Um, but we also know that we're fully capable and we're prepared and we're ready to go. Right, I'm curious how many times you've gone back and watched that Michigan game um, since it happened. And obviously it really got away from you guys in that like a 14-minute stretch in the middle of it. What, when you look back at that stretch, what where did it go wrong? What could you guys have done better to, to prevent that? 
And it was about three separate games within the one game. You know, a really competitive game, a one-sided game, and then kind of a lopsided game of us coming back. Um, but you can learn a lot of things from the film. You know, I think it was very competitive until we had a couple turnovers and a couple quick shots that turned into runouts. And so the lead go from, you know, 2 to 12 pretty quickly. Um, that's, you know, that's what happens when you play good teams. you got to stay consistent throughout the game. Otherwise, it's a game of runs, and you can find yourself on the wrong side of one pretty quick. Um, but I haven't watched it. You know, like I said, in this league, every game's big, so you kind of got to move on. you got to learn from it and move on quick and get your eyes set on the next next game. Um, but, you know, we'll continue to watch more film. Um, you know, second time around's always fun, um, so it's a little good chance for revenge for us. How this has been a few weeks since Michigan's played a game, what kind of impact do you think that will have just in terms of just how long, such a long layoff? Who knows? I think that's the million-dollar question is every team is – um, been dealt a little different COVID hand, and they have to deal with it. Um, so I'm not really, really sure what their protocol's been. I know they were out, out of the gym for a while. I don't really know what their buildup has been. I know they've had a few games postponed the last couple of weeks, so um, I think the whole country's excited to kind of see what they'll look like. Um, you know, we hope they're a little rusty. <laughs> we hope we can jump on them early, and, um, you know, we've, we've been through a lot. You know, there's a lot of things that um, they'll have to figure out and deal with coming back, but ultimately we're focused on us and the way that we can execute um, moving forward, uh, but it'll be interesting. You know, I think every team's um, dealt with it a little differently this year. Hey, Brad, um, when, when you get to this point in the season, how important is it to kind of keep evolving, keep improving when the league's so well scouted so teams don't figure you out? It's a grind. You constant, constantly you got to continue to add new things. you got to continue to um, really take care of your bodies. And that's one thing that we really stress a lot this time of year is – you know, everyone knows everybody. Everyone knows the scout and everybody. But ultimately, it's going to be who performs better and who's the most fresh going out there. So you got to make sure your bodies are refreshed and refueled and ready to go. Um, so that's mainly what we focus on. I know that's what I focus on here as we get down into end of February, into March. But ultimately, this is the time of year of why you come to a program like Wisconsin, to be in the mix, to chase championships, to place for high seeds, um, and ultimately leave a legacy um, and be remembered. So this is we're, we're excited. Again, we've had this time of year circled, and this is – this is why you come here. So we're all very excited and we're looking forward to it. Brad, you touched on this a little bit when you were talking about the first Michigan game, but I was curious, just when you think back to their defense, were they forcing you guys into shots you didn't want to take, or was it more self-inflicted, you think, offensively, where you walk, you look back and you're like, if we just didn't take that shot or we kind of forced our own turnovers? You always got to give a little – you always got to give credit to the defense, but, you know, both, both parties play a part in it. Whether we're taking shots, we maybe – rush into or they're playing good defense you know it's it's both things um, but at the same time we ultimately know that we got to play at our pace we got to get what we want and we want to dictate what we get offensively and then defensively we want to dictate what they get offensively you know, that's kind of the chess match within each and every game um, but again I haven't watched it for a while but we'll continue to dive into that game um, you know tonight and tomorrow leading up to the game but ultimately it comes down to us and we want to control what we get we want to control the places that we go and the shots that we take and the spaces that we get to um, so that'll be in our control on Sunday. Yeah, Brad, normally you're obviously the Michigan team you guys will play Sunday. Won't be the same team you saw on January 12th. But they haven't played in 21 days. Is the preparation different at all? Is it more on what you guys can do than really scouting their tape since they've been been on such a long layoff since they last played? Yes, yeah, so, you know, well, I think this time of year it's always like that. Um, you've already played each other. You've already watched a lot of games. You already kind of know what they want to do. Um, this time of the year, kind of like I answered earlier, Emily's question is, you know, you want to continue to improve 
your team, improve what you do offensively, defensively. You really want to tighten things up because, like I said, this is the best time of year. This is when you want to be playing your best basketball. Um, and so, you know, with them having a long time off, they're going to be extremely fresh. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to have all their legs underneath them. Um, but we got to use the advantages that we have too. Um, so, again, we're looking forward to it. Hey, Brad, uh, you guys were able to come away with a win against Nebraska, which is obviously the, the important thing, but you guys didn't really shoot well still. Just wondering what the overall sense of the team is. There's a huge level of frustration because, I don't know, uh, what the feeling of the team is, uh, where the confidence level is at. Very confident. You know, it's a few games in a row where we've missed a few shots, so that means the next few games we're going to make a lot of them. So we're looking forward to that opportunity on Sunday. Had going back to Michigan, they blocked a lot of shots. They got their hands on a lot of passes and, and passing lanes. I mean, what's, what stood out most about their defense? Quickness, length, uh, all the above. I mean, they, they were also pretty disciplined that game. I'm curious what jumped out about them. Uh, you know, they played really well. <laughs> we've all had games where you play really well. We've had games where you don't play very well. Um, so I think that's kind of the bottom line. We want to flip this tail of, the tail of that game into the game on Sunday. But also, you know, they're very athletic, uh, very disciplined, very well coached. Um, you know, they're a really good team. So they're one of the top teams in the country. Um, but I think they kind of put us on our heels. They're in a, kind of halfway through that first half where the tide started to turn. So we want to make sure that we're the aggressor, that we keep throwing the first punches early in the game. And, uh, again, like I said, dictate dictate the offensive end, defensive end right from the get-go. Yep. Brad, we've we've asked you a thousand times about the shooting, and you guys shot really well last year, not as well right down the stretch now. But shooting aside, what are some other things? How do you think this team is performing in other areas? Defense, rebounding, sharing the ball in, in areas that can help perhaps compensate if you're not shooting as well. Yeah, you know, we talk about it every day in here. How can you win games besides for making three-point shots and offensively being spectacular every every time out and so there's all sorts of things that you can do you know defensively hustle plays taking charges offensive rebounds limiting their offensive rebounds taking care of the ball all sorts of different areas that we really value here at wisconsin are ways that you can continue to be competitive in games and ultimately win games regardless of if you're making shots or not um making shots is kind of the cherry on top which makes you really hard to beat if you make sure that you cover all those other bases and do the little things um, you know, that we pride ourselves on, ultimately that we want our identity to be. Um, so long and roundabout answer defensively. I think we've done a great job of getting loose balls, trying to keep teams off the offensive glass. Um, and I think one thing that we started to get better at at Nebraska was, you know, starting to win that turnover battle again. We had a few games in a row where we were really struggling to take care of the ball to our standard. Maybe not to other teams' standard, but, you know, we want to be in the single digits because that gives us an advantage even when we're not making shots. Um, so all sorts of different things. The game, and one of the great quotes that I love to hear all the time is, you know, 99% of the game is when you're not shooting the basketball. So you can focus on that 99% a lot more than the 1% you're shooting. That again, Brad Davison talking with the media on Friday. A couple interesting takeaways from that before we transition into football. You can tell he's tired about talking about the shooting because we've been talking to him about that for quite some time, especially him, since he really hasn't been in a rhythm since his four for eight shooting night against Michigan State on Christmas Day. And two, you can tell there's some excitement level with him. He sees there's an opportunity here for Wisconsin to get back, not just in the hunt for the Big Ten, but just get back to playing solid all-around basketball. I think that's kind of the goal that this team has had. So they can finally kind of silence these questions that we have about why you're not shooting well. Why is this team that proved to be a bunch of good shooters, why are we struggling so much from the field? Why are we struggling defensively why are we having these little gaffes these lapses defensively that is causing good teams really good teams of the big 10 to take advantage of 
How can we stop that from happening so we can get back to consistent winning basketball and put together a winning streak? How can we find a way to win these final six games to put us right in the thick of the final Big Ten race? You're listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Transitioning now to high school recruiting. And Wisconsin football put together a tremendous 2021 class. They're off to a good start already in 2022 with the recruitment and the commitment of Miles Burkett out of Franklin High School. But Wisconsin wants to protect Miles to the best of their ability. And Wisconsin has already brought in some really good offensive line prospects over the last several years. And the crop of in-state talent for 2022 is also really good. And Wisconsin might just might be able to have another highly touted offensive line class by not leaving the state of Wisconsin. And one of those players they've targeted is Carson Hitzman, who has been on the Badgers kind of recruiting uh, radar for about three years now. He camped at Wisconsin in 2018. He got his first offer from Iowa in 2019. And just a day or two later, he got an offer from Wisconsin after camping with the Badgers. And since then, he has really blown up. He has gotten offers from schools, power schools in the Midwest, like a Notre Dame. He has gotten some other Big Ten offers, like a Nebraska and a Northwestern. He has gotten some impressive academic scholarships, like Stanford. Um, and he's gotten some really powerhouse schools after him, too, like in Alabama, LSU, Miami, Florida. Penn State has offered him. Oregon has offered him. So all these really talented schools are descending, virtually in the most part, to Hammond, Wisconsin, to St. Croix Central High School to look at Carson Hitzman, who not just plays offensive line at a high level, also plays on the defensive side of the ball, also plays on the school's basketball team. So a well-rounded athlete in a lot of different ways. And he made some time for us uh, yesterday. This was on my conversation with Carson Hitzman, talking about everything from high school recruiting, his top list. He gives us a little hint of who's going to make that top list when he does reveal it. The challenges of recruiting, going through the recruiting process during a pandemic, and just how his football and the basketball acumen kind of balance off each other to make him a top 75 prospect in the 2022 class. Our guest this week is one of the top uncommitted prospects in the state of Wisconsin for the 2022 recruiting class. He's also a pretty good basketball player, too. So Carson Hintzman's schedule is pretty hefty, but he makes some time for us today on the podcast. Carson, thanks again for joining us. Um, I guess the first question is, how how bizarre has this year been for you? I mean, we were just talking before you started that, you I mean, you're still going to school four days a week. You still have your full basketball season, but it's still different. I'm curious, how are you kind of coping with just the abnormality of what the 2020-2021 school year has been? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been definitely a little bit of a challenge. I know for you as long as a lot of other people as well. Um, but yeah, I guess the best way you can do it is kind of not really think about it and just kind of uh, really uh, dive head first into like what you're doing at the moment. Um, like just really only kind of think about that basketball or, or workout in the morning and stuff like that. Just stuff to really kind of take your mind off it. You know, stay busy. Um, helps you really not not focus too much on what's actually going on. So kind of taking a day at a time up here. Um, obviously, just because no one really knows what's going on um, all the time with COVID. So uh, yeah, just trying to you know stay healthy and. You know, just can't keep going with it. Usually this time of year is, is big for recruiting, where you're getting junior day invites and maybe you're kind of 
plan out what your spring is going to be like. Coaches are going to maybe start coming into your school a little bit, summer camps, and there's really nothing like that this year. How how different has it been for you kind of trying to figure out where you want to play college football and learn about some of these schools that have offered you, maybe compared to what it was the, the winter before where you were starting to get some invites and you can maybe go some different places and get a closer look at these schools? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been pretty difficult. Um, you know, there's not really any place to, or way to sugarcoat it. It's, it's, been, it's been a little bit of a challenge uh, just trying to um, narrow it down. Um, obviously, a lot of people have their different uh, you know, ways of narrowing stuff down, but uh, personally for me, I always want to go there at least. I'll be on campus um, just to kind of experience what the life is and, you know, there's that kind of culture at peace, but uh, yeah, I guess it's a little bit harder to do it over a, a video screen or a Zoom call or anything like that, but uh, yeah, just really, really hoping that everything starts opening back up here coming April. So when you get an offer from, like your two most recent offers that you've posted have been Texas at the end of January, then uh, Virginia Tech earlier this month. I know you get excited about any opportunity to, to play college football somewhere for free. Do you dive in right away to looking at them online? Do you set up kind of some virtual calls with, with their staff? How do you kind of approach learning about a school that could be your home that you really can't see in person right now because of the kind of the, the limitations on on campus recruiting. Uh, yeah, uh, so a little bit of both there. Um, I do, we do a lot of uh, diving online just as um, I mean, honestly, you can't really go in and look at it. So just a lot of um, looking through the academics and uh, different different courses. Like obviously, you can take down there along along with um, just the other opportunities as well of. Like this, uh, football, like you know how how they've been doing and stuff like that. Just because um, sometimes opportunities come out of uh, places you least expect it. So, um, but yeah, along with that, we do a lot of uh, uh, calls, uh, some some calls, FaceTimes, and no, I mean uh, for being for being what it is, um, I would have to give props to all the recruiters. Um, I think they're doing a fantastic job of getting their information out there and really having a student or a student athlete learn. Uh, about their campus just because of, you know, obviously the, the deal we've been dealt. So, um, no, it's just kind of, I guess, all that. I, I wouldn't call it free time, but you had a lot more time last year because of when COVID hit, everything kind of got shut down and weight rooms were closed. Uh, talking to a lot of kids over the course of the last year, a lot of people said they made a lot of gains physically during that time where they could focus a lot on lifting weights or conditioning. I'm curious, what did you try to focus in on during that period of time, and how did it make you better entering what was your fall season? Uh, yeah, so I live out in the farm, um, and we have this big shed, and so we had a lot of guys uh, come over who and got a bunch of uh, weight racks and stuff like that. We call it the shed crew. And, uh, we were just kind of go really, really hard at that. And uh, myself and other guys made a lot of games. Uh, the biggest thing for me I was working on was just that conditioning and that explosive aspect along with that quick feet. You know, that's, a, that's always the biggest thing, especially, I mean, in college and high school, uh, just being to come off the ball hard and fast and be quick. Uh, along with that, we were really working on flexibility and making sure the hips are loose. And a big, a big thing with um, smaller schools, you uh, have to play both sides of the ball. So um, we had a lot of running hills to make sure we're all conditioned for that. So uh, that, that was probably the big.
family, along with uh, my other buddies uh, who also play on the line. So, um, yeah, we made uh, some pretty exponential gains, which you're really proud of. I know you posted some videos of you on, on Twitter working with your footwork and basketball. You, know, you were pretty good for a 6'5", 280-pound guy. Is, is, is basketball, is that... Has that always been a kind of a passion for you to play and something you've enjoyed playing, or has it been something, too, where you can utilize basketball and the, the skill set with your footwork that the sport requires to almost become a better offensive lineman? Um, yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly, a little bit of both there. Um, my, my dad played basketball along with my mom. Um, my dad played a little bit uh, professionally overseas, um, so uh, that's kind of where I get that love from it. Uh, he was coached, and he kind of transferred that. Uh, that love and passion for the game to me, um, and you know that 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 aspect of that quick feet and uh, being able to uh, stay quick for a long period of time running up and down the floor, it, it, it just kind of comes with it. I mean, um, along with just kind of that that pressure. I know we were talking about that with uh, with one of my coaches at school about how to be able to use those different muscles and be able to adapt to those different circumstances. It really helps. Um, with, you know, all sports. So um, it is really uh, fortunate playing uh, both. Um, you know, just always trying to uh, get out there and try everything. And, you know, you only really get one chance in high school. So You've really been familiar with a couple schools for a long period of time. I know you've gone to camps at Iowa since 2018, Wisconsin the same way. Um, what is it about the, the Midwest schools that appeal to offensive linemen, defensive linemen around this area? Is it just because that the Big Ten plays a brand of football that almost kind of highlights your position? Or is it just the fact that these schools have that family home quality to them that really attract a lot of guys from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois to kind of stay closer to home? Um, yeah, you know, uh, again, both. It's just... Uh, Obviously, they have a really great reputation for making uh, incredible offensive linemen. Uh, you know, they, they, they play hard-nosed football, um, which, I mean, even at my school, that's all we do. I think we passed I mean, a year ago. I think we only passed about 12 times a year in total in a season. Um, you know, it's just that, that kind of grit factor of just that, that really just that push and that drive um, and kind of playing with that, that family, like you said, on the line. And, I mean, you really just see that from up here in the Midwest. Uh, a lot of those guys are... Um, obviously going to go to the league soon and um, again with that reputation piece it's just it, it, it is do it different you know that's, it's kind of hard to explain but um, they, they, they're just different and um, it's really just a hard, hard, hard thing to pull away from yeah, your, your first three offers were from really Midwest schools. Iowa was first. I think Wisconsin was, was quickly thereafter. Notre Dame was up there, too. Um, you know, and, and since then, your your list has really blown up. For those that don't know, I mean, there's some pretty impressive schools that are kind of tracking up to the Hammond, Wisconsin area. Alabama has offered you, LSU, Miami of Florida, um, you know, Michigan, Oregon, Penn State, Stanford. Uh, I mentioned Texas earlier. When do you start trying to... Um, compartmentalize these teams and figure out, okay, th this group will provide me this, while this group will provide me this. Not necessarily a, a top list, but when do you start to try to figure out where you might, can, where could you maybe see yourself in the next couple of years? Because it's hard, like you mentioned, you want to go on these campuses and you want to see them in person, but you know, at some point you need to make a decision and without 
you know, time is almost, it feels like it's almost running against you with how long this, this recruiting dead period has lasted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that kind of starts immediately uh, as soon as you get those, uh, uh, those opportunities. You just kind of really, like you said earlier, just kind of dive into it and really uh, try to see what the best uh, fit is for you. Uh, you always got to kind of have it at the back of your mind, um, especially right now. Uh, in school, we're learning, you know, more about colleges and futures and stuff like that. So <clears throat> you got to give yourself kind of that, that that mental piece of, you know, where where will I um, exceed most, not only in football, because obviously a student athlete, student comes first. So um, that's always a big one for me. Um, and so, yeah, just it, it starts straight from the beginning. You know, you got you to kind of imagine yourself wearing those colors and you got to see if you can actually see yourself there. So, I mean, it, it's, it's tough, but, you know, for... We're making through it. Um, I always say, you know, it's it's, it's kind of a uh, blessing and a curse at the same time uh, that we didn't really get to get out there too much earlier. So then we're we're kind of we're kind of I mean we're just used to that kind of that Zoom call and stuff like that. So um, uh, through that, it's it's tough, but you know it starts from the beginning. What has your relationship been like with, with Joe Rudolph and, and the University of Wisconsin? Obviously, the offensive line with the Badgers is something well-known. I'm just curious, how has that relationship grown for you over the last uh, year and a half plus since the Badgers offered you? Um, it's been a lot. Uh, I mean, <laughs> over here in Wisconsin, I mean, everyone's usually a Badger fan. I mean, if you're not a Badger, you're a Gopher fan. And living close to the city, it's pretty crazy to see that. I say about you. 85, 90% of people are just straight bleed red, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's it's a it's definitely a family aspect down there. Um, Coach Rudolph and Coach Herring do an uh, incredible job um, <clears throat> recruiting, along with Coach Chris. Uh, I really love those guys, uh, but just that family aspect as well. I mean, uh, there's times uh, we're just like hopping on the phone call with them and just talking about different aspects of life and, um, you know, campus and how the guys act and culture and just kind of everything. And, um, yeah, just that relationship piece has just grown so much. It's, um, it's really just an awesome, awesome opportunity, um, being that home state team. So, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. A lot of kids who commit to Wisconsin from in-state say they feel, um, you know, they grew up watching the Badgers. They feel, you know, to play for the only in-state uh, school is, is a big honor for them. You're a little bit, you're a little bit different because even though you're in-state, you like you mentioned, you're so close to the cities that it's you know it's three plus hours away from Mass. And do you still kind of feel that that pull of guys and, and students and and adults and whoever want you to stay and, and play for the Badgers? How do you kind of weigh that topic? It, it's pretty heavy up here uh, to be a Badger, um, obviously because. Like you were saying, uh, every, everyone's born uh, really kind of a badger up here, unless mm-hmm. you're from Minnesota, uh, even though you're pretty close to the border. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a huge pull. Um, a lot of people up here really really have their strong opinions uh, um, of where, where they'd like me to go. Obviously, a lot of them like me to stay home. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough decision we're, we're kind of making through right now. Yeah, you have about 10 months until you have to – 
to, to sign a little bit over 10 months. Do, do you have a kind of an idea of, of what you want to do in terms of, you know, I know you're not a big social media guy. Are you thinking that you're going to announce a list? Are you just going to make a decision? Is it something like, how do you kind of figure out what the next step is for you to whittle down an offer list of 20 and growing to something like a five or an eight? Um, do you wait for maybe taking official visits? Do you want to decide sooner? Kind of walk me through that next step for you. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was planning um, on releasing a list pretty soon. Um, like you said, I'm not really um, a social media guy, uh, but I, I do kind of need to start whittling it down a little bit just, just with, like you say, time working against us, and it's really hard to uh, go out and visit 20 different campuses. Uh, I mean, 20 amazing opportunities and right, right their own, but um, really going to have to start uh, narrowing them down pretty soon so we can actually get out there and really... Uh, really actually get the chance to see them. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just uh, probably going to start, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a date, but I guess I can't really think of one. <laughs> Sometime soon, uh, we'll get a, um, a list and, um, yeah, just really start starting to focus on those certain schools. Is there a couple schools that you know for sure that are going to make the cut, or is it still, you're still kind of weighing everything? Um, yeah, still trying to uh, weigh everything. Um, I say I, I know for sure there's a few schools. Um, it has to be you know those kind of schools that uh, offer that offered in the beginning, um, and those guys were amazing. And you know those those are the kind of uh, relationships that have grown the most just because they've been around the longest. So um, like your uh, your Wisconsin, Iowa, Notre Dame, those guys have been phenomenal. Uh, so yeah, those guys are definitely going to be on there. Along with Alabama, uh, those guys have, uh, obviously have a great reputation as long as their recruiting is phenomenal. Uh, so, yeah, those guys will be on that for sure. And Carson, I'll get you out here on this one. You obviously have a lot that you're kind of thinking about and, and, and the decisions that you need to make here with your school. What's the one thing that you know for sure you, you want in a school? Is it the athletics on the field? Is it the academics? Is it offensive line history? What's the one kind of thing that is a must for you in that school that you pick? Yeah, I'd say the must for me um, is just that winning mentality. Um, obviously, you don't have to win every game. Um, but that culture piece is so important. I, I always tell, tell people, uh, my buddy was getting recruited by this one school, and uh, they didn't have a great season, um, but they kind of came out and said um, how it wasn't really their fault, and they're in a big conference. I was like, that's just, that, that, that was kind of a turning point for me uh, to, you know, view schools, uh, just because even if you don't have a great season, you never want to, uh, you know, blame it on someone else. You know, you just want to prepare get ready for that next season, you know, you're going to hit them hard, so that, that's just the biggest thing for me is that culture aspect, um, along with that family, and just kind of feeling like um, that those coaches and those people around you are going to push you to your best opportunity, um, but then again, they're going to love you, uh, and that's the biggest thing for me is that kind of that family aspect down there, too. That again, my conversation with Carson Hintzman, who would, at some point will release his top list, like he said, you can follow him on Twitter for the few times he does tweet, they are important. His tweets usually are, um, it's his first, last name first, so H-I-N-Z-M-A-N-C-A-R-S-O-N. My thanks to Carson for joining 
the Badger Blitz podcast this week. Wisconsin also added a walk-on for the 2021 class in Grover Bordellini, in-state prospect that the Badgers were able to kind of finalize from Whitefish Bay. 5'10", 185 pounds as a safety DB athlete. He'll be a preferred walk-on for the 2021 class. Wisconsin still with a top 20 class. Pretty impressive the way the Badgers were able to do that, a good chunk of that, before the pandemic really hit, and then were able to add to it as the year went on. Wrapping up the show here, Wisconsin football made a couple uh, positional changes, at least in terms of their coaching staff. Badgers, with to fill the vacancy left by uh, John Budmeyer, who's now the offensive coordinator at Colorado State. Wisconsin went defense. They hired Hank Potet, P-O-T-E-A-T, uh, out of Toledo. He's going to coach the cornerbacks for Wisconsin, so Badgers are taking a little bit off Jim Leonard's plate this move balances out the coaching staff, five on offense, now five on defense, with Wisconsin fortunate enough to retain Jim Leonard because Leonard had shown uh, that he was close, it appears, to taking the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job. He is returning uh, for this upcoming season. This will allow Leonard to focus primarily on the defense and also the safety spot, although it can be thought that Hank and Jim will kind of work hand-in-hand in, hand in that. Hank was the graduate assistant under Paul Chris, then worked for two years at Kent State, and then spent the last four years at Toledo before getting this job. Another Pittsburgh-Wisconsin tie uh, for for Paul Chris, who was brought over who brought over Noki Brechterfield, Mickey Turner, uh, John Budmeyer, uh, Chris Herring, Joe Rudolph. So a lot of pit connections for Wisconsin and Paul Chris on this current staff. Hank, his coach, like I said, those six years, but he also spent 10 years in the NFL, much like Jim Leonard, who also was a 10-year NFL guy, played for a number of different teams, also won a Super Bowl title in 2004 with the New England Patriots. The other kind of big news that has come out of all this reshuffling of the staff is that Paul Chris will become the quarterback coach again and kind of will be the de facto offensive coordinator because uh, Joe Rudolph has been kind of moved uh, into a assistant head coach slash run game coordinator slash offensive line coach kind of will give primarily a more focal point for Joe Roof on the offensive line. There's a story up on UW Badgers on Friday that kind of talked about the different moves that this was a group decision, not just a Paul decision. He said, we both came to the conclusion, both individually and collectively, Chris said, referring to his conversation with Joe Rudolph. For Rudolph, Rudy, as he called him, to do the best job with the offensive line, it was going to take a little bit more time and energy and a little bit more of, for lack of a better term, a narrow focus. So Wisconsin's going to move into 2021 with a new defensive line coach in Ross Kalaji, a new quarterback coach, Jim Leonard returning, which is a big deal, and a new quarterback coach in Paul Chris, who has kind of been the quarterback whisperer for a lot of years. And Paul will now call the plays again, which I think is going to delight a lot of fans who maybe were a little bit uneasy with some of the play calls. Even though Joe Ruff was the one calling the plays, you can you can bet that Paul Chris had a big hand in focusing the game plan each and every week. So how will this help Graham Mertz? How will this help the rest of the offense? We will see Wisconsin spring practices will start uh, sometime this spring. Uh, Paul also mentioned that the spring schedule, which usually ended around uh, mid to late April now and probably early May. So we're still kind of waiting on a schedule for that. But that is a conversation for another time. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter 
at The Badger Nation. We'll be live from the Kohl Center on Sunday for Wisconsin and Michigan. Read about all of our content after the game on BadgerBlitz.com. And, of course, follow BadgerBlitz on Twitter at Badger underscore Blitz. My thanks to Brad Davison for talking to the media on Friday. My thanks to Carson Hitzman for giving us some time. Really great conversation with him. And my thanks to you, as always, for listening and downloading this podcast. We will talk to you next week. Stay warm, stay safe, and have a great week, everybody.